0: True Podcast. Today we have a very special show as uh, Beth, as, uh, who has been featured in some earlier podcasts for us here. Uh, Beth is uh, Greg Miller's wife and the author of a brand new book that's called What Loss Can Teach Us. And we're pretty excited to announce that uh, this book is being launched and uh, well, Greg, I'll, I'll, uh, you know much more about it than I do. I'll, I'll let you share with our, our listeners. Well, we are truly excited about
1: being here today. This is exciting on a variety of different levels. Um, we've often talked about this book writing process is like um, a pregnancy and the baby has arrived. And we are thrilled because at times the, the pregnancy was challenging. And so we're excited for you to be here today and just to talk about this process and um, just uh, All this is meant for you as you have um, been writing the book and what it is that you're hoping others will get out of it. So we're glad that you're here.
2: Thank you. It's
1: good to be here. So let's just start with um, the beginning. What, What caused you to begin to consider the possibility of writing a book? And then how did you decide the direction that you wanted the book to go? And FYI, we are married, so I just want you to know I'm not a clueless husband. I know the answer to these questions. So I I just want to say that out loud. Yes,
2: well, and to that point, I just want to say Greg has been incredibly supportive of this process. So thank you. Um, Well, all right, so uh, our story goes back about 15, 16 years to our own crash and burn and discovery. And about seven years into our recovery, I was at a silent retreat um, one weekend and really began to feel this, what I would say is just holy movement. I mean, it was really this sacred experience of sensing That there were, while there, yes, had been a lot of pain, there were so many good, significant things that were coming from this journey that we've been on. And so I began to um, think, what would it be like with um, my story as kind of, you know, the context, like set down as the Mm -hmm. backdrop? What would it be like to write a book to talk about some of the strangely wrapped gifts that I've been learning over the years? And pretty quickly, some of those things came to mind. You know, I began to you know, formulate the chapters in my head of healthy grieving and embracing my belovedness, shedding shame, learning to embrace the both and, um, a healthier relationship with my body, um, all kinds of good things like that. And so... That's really the process that uh, developed, and I was also very cognizant that while I wanted to write a book that, yes, had had my story in there so I could talk about some of my own losses, some of what's happened, you know, with us, but also, like, losing my dad mm-hmm. when he died, um, my mom's profound illness with Alzheimer's, which kind of happened, you know, like that really ramped up simultaneously with my dad's death. Um, So I wanted to also write a book that wasn't just about the loss or pain of sexual addiction. I wanted to write a book that was about what can loss teach us, um, no matter who we are, male, female, no matter what loss um, we've experienced. And it could be that this could be a book read by someone that's experienced some real catastrophic, like capital L loss, mm-hmm. or someone who has known a variety of losses that maybe you wouldn't categorize as catastrophic and yet painful nonetheless.
1: Right. Well, and I always had a professor say that anytime there's loss, there's grief. And the greater the loss, the greater the grief. But implied in that is that everyone experiences loss. Yeah. and. If we choose to steward it, we can learn something from those losses. We can be shaped and formed by them, which is very different than being defined by them. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you. And so I know that um, this isn't the first time you've written and have been published. This is your first book. So um, tell us a little bit about kind of the journey of writing for you and also um, a little bit about your family, because I know that you're not the only writer Mm -hmm. in your family.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really thankful that um, <clears throat> you know my my dad. For many years, kept saying, "I think you should write a book." P.S. He said that to you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and but,
1: I typically listen to my father-in-law. But. Yes,
2: he had some he had some good wisdom, <laughs> um, and uh, he was a writer. He was an editor, and was a lover of words, a lover of the word, and. So I'm really thankful for that heritage. And so it planted in me a desire to do this um, and also uh, kind of a vision that just maybe, you know, this could be helpful for other people as well. And and that obviously is my hope. Um, As I was, so this idea, you know, like seven years into our journey starts Um, percolating, Mm -hmm. if you will. And so I just sat with it for a while. And um, a few years down the road, I came across a beautiful book by author and pastor Barbara Brown Taylor. And the book was called Learning to Walk in the Darkness. And I came across this quote, where she says, whether it's a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, New life starts in the dark, mm-hmm. and I, I just, you know, felt this um, absolute validation. That's what I want to write about. Mm-hmm. I want to write about no matter what loss has happened. While our first inclination is to believe that that loss or those multiple losses will be the only thing that define us, that somehow that would shrink us, you know, that it would um, handicap us. Yes, there's pain and consequence, and there can be new life. Mm -hmm. Like, good, new
1: things can come from this pain.
2: Absolutely. Okay, so...
1: For those of us who know you, it's not surprising that you quoted a quote on the podcast <laughs> because we know you love quotes. I love quotes. So, just tell us so about much. for those who will be reading the book. Um, tell us about the role that quotes have had in your life.
2: Oh, that's that's a funny and fun question. I don't even fully know why. I I think I love books. I always have. Um, we didn't have a library in our small town growing up, but my mom. Took us to the bookmobile.
0: I was going to ask if you had the bookmobile. Yes. I grew up with the go bookmobile. To
2: bookmobile. Of course. Maybe I loved the I mean, maybe that just. For really those co-
1: of you who are listening, you can
0: sense her enthusiasm <laughs> know, about the bookmobile. And, the and, bookmobile. And, and, and she's found a kindred spirit <laughs> yes. in someone who actually went uh, and visited the uh, bookmobile. I'm
2: such a book nerd. That, that's just what's true for me. Uh, books have been, um, I, I love fiction, I love nonfiction. And um, about three years before our story unfolded, I started a seminary internship that set me on a course that I am forever grateful for, and I was invited into all kinds of good reading and um, introduced to new authors that I had never known before that really talked about this idea of the deeper journey. And many of them would reference pain as the catalyst, you know, to that deeper journey. And I, I love, I mean, I love my Kindle and this kind of stuff. I love a good old-fashioned book with a good old-fashioned highlighter pen, you know, the works. So I, these quotes just, you know, whether it was Henry Nowen or Sue Monk Kidd or Richard Rohr, you know, these things... They um,
1: just found their way to you. They,
2: they really have. <laughs> Brene Brown. I could just keep going. So um, it, there are many quotes in the book. At one point, my wonderful editor, Michael, finally said, maybe not any more quotes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> say en- no. Enough quotes, <laughs> right. Um, and I think part of what I wanted to do is also communicate this idea of of being on a transformational journey is one that like we stand on the shoulders of so many others that have come before us to say, um, God does not waste our pain. Mm -hmm. And there are invitations regularly, repeatedly. I think one of the images that came to me is that, um, so, you know, this story of what you know happened for us I sensed God used as an on-ramp and um, you know thankfully three years before i had already been given this framework of this deeper journey but now I was in pain right and And I I just want to say
1: for um, for those of you who are listening that may not know our story Beth has made references to it but 15 years ago Beth found out about betrayal um, and I began to discover about my addiction and that began our journey. So the, when she's talking about our story, it's about that early experience 15 years ago when she was given new information about how I had betrayed her and my acting out and the addiction. So that, that's part of the book and it, it doesn't define all of the book.
2: Right, right. So I, I would say that that for me, was an on-ramp to this deeper work of, okay, what can I learn from this? Is, you know, of course, loss isn't anything we want to run towards. And when it finds us, and it will, what is the wisdom that the loss can offer us? You know, what are the strangely wrapped gifts? Well,
1: and You know, I've heard you say this before, but and that question of what can I learn from this, that question did not come until later. No. You know, it it took that acknowledgement of the pain and being present and having others be present with you. And fortunately, there weren't people rushing to you early on trying to convince you that this was a good thing that you could learn from. The people around you gave you space just to be in that Mm -hmm. pain. And eventually, you began to look at it through this new lens.
2: Well... So the first chapter of the book is about healthy grieving. It's called Good Grief. And I I had to learn how to grieve. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I had good people around me. I had um, uh, an incredible mentor and friend, Cheryl, that was willing to point the way of how to do that. And, you know, I, I think we are often um, we limit ourselves to thinking that grief is what we, you know, experience when a loved one dies, which, of course, is very valid. What's also true is that I think grief is a continuum. You know, there is anything from nostalgia of kind of the sadness of, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, like when you and I talk about missing when our boys were young, Mm -hmm. you know, and some of those early sweet days anything from that to profound mourning where we are it's like lament mm-hmm. um, and so we have to learn to develop grief muscles right and i'm I'm so thankful that I had some people around me that could teach me how to do that so to your point of what you were just saying um, one of the things that I talk about in this first chapter is seeing grief through the lens of death, burial, and resurrection. And again, it's not linear, Um, and death is one of those experiences in which um, we are shocked, we're numb. There might be lots of emotion, and it might be very, very chaotic, and absolutely, when you're in death, there is nothing that you want to do to learn from that, right? right? Like, and you can't, it's, it's it's impossible, emotionally, physically impossible at that point. I think part of the journey is to allow ourselves in that season to learn to ask the, you know, we ask the why questions, we've all got the why questions. As we find our way into burial, um, I think, you know, that was a, a part of grief that I didn't really understand. There was a season, and I can remember, um, especially, you know, say, uh, eight months to a year in, I w- I felt while many good things were happening, I could feel vacant. I could feel empty. Um, it almost scared me a little bit. I struggled knowing how to, or even have a desire to pray. Mm-hmm. And, Part of what I recognized was that um, even that is biblical. That sometimes um, we sit while God prays. That's straight from Sumant Kid. I want to give her that credit, where mm-hmm. she said she began to see the story of Jesus in the garden differently, where he said to his disciples, "Sit here while I pray." And she said, You know, one day I realized, what if sometimes we're in so much pain? Jesus says to us, Just sit here while I pray.
0: She's quoting Jesus now. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Sure. I was going
1: to add that one of the ones she liked quoting is Scripture yes. and Jesus. Yes. Just like her father, she's a lover of the word. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, um, you know, that's that is a part of death or of burial mm-hmm. where it's just. Quiet, and maybe we've never been in that place where we're that disoriented, and and there are things that maybe need to die in that that season, right? And then, thankfully, we can begin to move into resurrection, and that's in one of the places and um, part of the transition where we hopefully, especially with good people around us, can start learning to ask what questions instead of why. Mm-hmm. So the what questions move us into, God, what is it that you're wanting to form and shape in me? What part of my false self, my survivor, as we like to call it, you know, needs to be shed so that my true self, my adult, my emotional adult, my true spiritual self can come more and more into being and that when when our grief leads us to that it's good grief indeed
1: right well and one of the things that's true about grief is sometimes we grieve the loss of something that we had and sometimes the complexity of grief is we need to grieve the loss of mm-hmm. something we never had yeah. and what kind of moves us into that awareness can be different but another layer of complexity is we don't live in a culture that values grief. Um, I often encourage people to read the scripture simply, simply through the lens of grief, grief because grief is so profound. Mm-hmm. Um, there is such an invitation to acknowledge grief, and yet in our culture we want grief to be brief. Um, we we want people to die, and then we want three days of mourning, and then we want to bury them, and then we want people to move on. In some way, we're trying to sanitize death so that grief becomes simpler. And one of the things I love about the book is that you invite people to engage the complexity of grief. You you don't try to simplify it. You don't offer Mm. simple answers to these complex issues. And you you don't rescue people from whatever may be stirred up in the midst of their own grief as they read the book. Mm.
2: Well, I am thankful for some mentors who have taught me to learn to make space for the messiness of it, Mm -hmm. for the complexity of it. And actually being around other people that are comfortable with their grief invites me to kind of exhale and be comfortable with mine, which, let me just be quick to say, is not the same thing as wallowing. Right. You know, there's we can wallow. I like the image of, like, we can wallow in a cave where you just, you're just you going round and round in circles and you've lost your way out. Or we can be on a trajectory of moving through a tunnel and we want to attune to it. Um, we want to stay current with it. And, and what's true is we all have really good ways to want to ignore our grief. I mean, it, honestly, one of the things I hear the most is, boy, if I slowed down long enough to attune to my grief, it would pull me under, right. and I can't afford to do that. i got to you know, get the kids to school and get dinner on the table and get to work, and, and that is very understandable. I think what I've been learning is it actually takes more energy to um, avoid it, to engage these things that defend us from it, and it's so freeing when we learn... Um, to move towards it in love, piece by piece. Right, well,
1: and transformational grief actually moves us forward. Yes. You know, our fear is that if I start to grieve, I'm going to be stuck. But it's the avoidance that keeps us stuck. It's the embracing it that moves us forward. Um, What are some of the things that you hope the reader will be able to get from the book?
2: Well, I think... um, If I had to summarize that uh, briefly, I would say that there really are, as we get down the road, not again, not initially, not when we're in triage with our pain, when we get down the road a little bit and we get our feet underneath us, that we would be open or open to being open to see the strangely wrapped gifts that grief has to offer that our God is so good and loves us so much that God doesn't want to waste anything. You know, God is such a good steward Mm -hmm. and will steward our pain into inviting us to some of these things, these lessons, you know, this wisdom. And maybe... Maybe we've had other hard things that have come our way, and we've wanted to just put our head down and get through and say, mm, you know, I'm I'm not looking at this. I believe God loves us enough to come back around, you know, right. and keep offering us those invitations. So,
0: so Beth, does do you address in the book then um, the concept of there is no timetable to grief? Or, you know, as you're talking about, someone wallowing mm-hmm. or not wallowing, um, is, is there a timetable that, that you feel exists?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I don't specifically uh, address, you know, with that phrase. And I think what we start to learn is that if I am resistant over and over, to paying attention to my grief, allowing myself to move through it, one of the things that shows up is resentment, contempt, and bitterness. Mm -hmm. And to me, those are like lights that flash on the dashboard, you know, that say, check your engine. Check
0: this out, yeah. Exactly.
2: And, you know, I used to only have a thought about those kinds of emotions, that they were wrong, And you had to kind of like whack-a-mole at the county fair. Get past it as fast as you can. Well, again, hard, painful things can come when we really wallow in bitterness, resentment, and contempt, right? Mm -hmm. And if we'll allow them to be messengers to our soul to say, hey, there's some unprocessed grief here. Mm -hmm. It can be an invitation to center down and to move through that. And one of the things that I just want to add about the book, um, several years ago I was introduced to the idea of spiritual practices. And they are basically just helpful tools that invite us to get centered and um, experience God in contemplative meaning ways. And so each of the chapters has a spiritual practice, and one of the ones um, is a process of healthy grieving, like some mm-hmm. questions to ask, right. some ways to move through it. Because honestly, we need very practical tools that teach us how to grieve. And so hopefully, if we're willing to notice those lights flashing on our dashboard, mm-hmm. this can be a tool to invite someone into that
1: process.
0: Great. Can you share with our audience... Um when and where they're going to be able to find Beth's new book?
1: Yeah, the book is going to be available um, in the middle of February, and you can get it either on Amazon or through the publisher at UpperRoomBooks.com. And then eventually it will be available here at the Faithful and True um, bookstore. And so we're very excited about being able to have it here for um, people to be able to to get it. So yeah, that's
0: an ASAP request on our part. We we we'd, we'd, we'd <laughs> yes. love we'd love to feature that Absolutely. on our online Thank bookstore, you. and uh, we're really looking forward to that. Well, I, I find this subject just one of those subjects that people don't um, consciously look for, but when they come across it like this, mm-hmm. they, they they're going to find it to be a real blessing. Mm-hmm. So I'm Thank really you. really glad that. Uh, You've written uh, this book. I think it's going to be uh, appreciated and benefited by a lot of people. Thanks, Randy. Uh, we'd like to thank Beth for joining us today. Now, I, I think we should keep talking about well, this, and I, and yeah, I think we will. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. This this subject matter is so powerful and so beneficial that we'd love to have Beth back very soon uh, to continue the conversation about what loss can teach us. Uh, in the meantime, we'd like to thank those of you that have joined us uh, on YouTube. Which uh, uh, we invite you to subscribe to our new YouTube uh, "Faithful and True" cha- uh, channel. Excuse me, "Faithful and True" channel. Uh, subscribe and like us there, if you would please. Um, share our videos with friends of yours, as well as being able to listen to our audio version of all of our podcasts, uh, which can be found on our website, faithfulandtrue.com or wherever you find your podcasts. We're on Apple and uh, iHeartRadio and uh, iTunes, all the popular places to find them. So until we meet again with Beth as our guest to continue this conversation, uh, we thank you for joining us. We hope that this coming week for you is going to be a week that's filled with many blessings and great vision.